0: Today on episode number 474 of the School of Podcasting's morning announcements, you better get a pencil ready. We are talking with Glenn the Geek. This is a guy that's been making a living with his podcast. Is he teaching people how to podcast? No. Is his podcast about how to make money with the internet? No. It's about horses, and he's been making a living with his podcast, and he just now learned about New and Noteworthy. We also have some very cool clips in a podcast rewind hit it ladies the school of podcasting with dave jackson podcasting since 2005 i am your very own personal podcast coach if you need to learn how to podcast i am right here waiting for you welcome to the show we talk about all things podcasting I help you massage your message. I help you flatten the learning curve. I help you tackle the technology and get you on your way to pain-free podcasting. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com where you can find step-by-step tutorials as well as personalized one-on-one consulting. I'm so glad you are here. And I'll give you a little story here. I... uh. We went to Podcast Movement. First day, they had some TED Talks. And this is what's so cool about having all these people who love podcasting come to Podcast Movement. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And they were doing these little 10-minute TED Talks, which, for the record, were never 10 minutes. Although I did get to see Steve Stewart, and that was awesome, of stevestewart.me. And um, just to, like, fill in a time gap or whatever... The MC Asked Glenn the Geek to get up And What I love about Glenn Is He just went out and did it He's got his own network At Horseradionetwork.com He has a a live show In the morning that gets like 40,000 Downloads a week, it's insane And he's, is he talking about making money? No, is he talking about podcasts about No, he's talking about Horses because that's his passion. He is a horse husband and uh an amazing dude. We'll be hearing about his story here in just a second. But just before we do, we had some really great stuff come in on the internets and uh wanted to play you a quick clip. In case you missed it, it's time for a podcast rewind. Oh, yeah, these are going to be quick. These are things that I clambered during the week, and I got this one just tonight, and I laughed, and I, <laughs> I love Paul Cullen. I got to hang out with Paul Culligan uh, Saturday at uh, Podcast Movement. It was awesome, and uh, in his latest episode of The Podcast Report, which you can find at thepodcastreport.com, titled The One Word Thing About Podcasting for Money, and um, he just put it out on the line. Here's a, a quick little clip from that. But nobody listens to podcasts that suck. Money grab podcasts that suck, nobody listened to. Nobody listens to. Passion projects that suck, nobody listens to. I love it. I love it. And it's true. There is no spam in podcasting. Anybody that's going to listen to you is because they want to listen to you. My buddy Harry over at Podcast Junkies interviewed Rob Walsh. you got to go listen to this whole episode. But here's the thing. Today we're talking about Glenn. We're interviewing Glenn. He didn't care about iTunes. He just wanted to go out and mingle and serve his audience, and it's serving him well. And so Rob was talking about New and Noteworthy. And, well, here's a clip from um, The Truth About Podcast Download Numbers from PodcastJunkies.com. And people think it has it has a better value than it really does. I mean, Porter's podcast was featured on the front page of iTunes. My other, sh- my most recent show was featured up there. Okay, so he's on the front page of iTunes. Do you think it was ten thousand downloads? Five thousand downloads per episode being on the front page of iTunes. Five hundred downloads. I'm sorry, you've overbid. You ready for this? Uh, it's called Casey Startup Four One One. It was featured front page iTunes. It was worth 300 downloads hmm. per episode. You know, it's- exactly. Now, again, 300 downloads is awesome. That's 15 rooms, I think, is how that works out. If you had 20 rooms of students, that's how I think as a teacher. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's awesome. But so many people think it's the 10,000 uh, download switch. If I can just get to the front page of New and Noteworthy, if I can just get to the front page of iTunes, it's not a big deal as most people think, and I just, I hate to people, I hate to see people spend a dollar to make 50 cents. It's just not worth it, and they always get hung up on, oh, I can I only have eight weeks to be a new and noteworthy. I've said this over and over and over. You can be new eight weeks. You can be noteworthy whenever you want, and my question is, if you're only new and noteworthy for eight weeks, what are you doing on week nine? Because that's where you get to do, From week nine to forever, you just have to grow your audience with great content. And speaking of great content today, I am so just stoked that Glenn, number one, Glenn was asked to be on a bunch of podcasts. And I was, I mean, the minute he got done with his speech, and it wasn't even a planned speech, but it was just awesome at Podcast Movement, I ran up to him and said, dude, you have got to come on my show. And he could have recorded a bunch of interviews there. He said, nope, I'm going to go on Dave's first. And Glenn, uh, please know I acknowledge that. I appreciate that. And uh, what a cool guy. This is Glenn the Geek. He has worked in sales for 15 years. Five of those he was teaching sales. He's owned an improvisational acting company um, where they did uh, medieval feasts. Uh, They did 450 shows over 10 years. And, of course, uh, Glenn played the king. He uh, met his wife 30 years ago while working in the uh, P.A. Renfair. I believe is how you pronounce that, Renfair. Um She was a horse person, so he, he kind of married into that horse thing. And um, that's how he's kind of known as America's Horse Husband. And um, he started the Horse Radio Network in 2008. Actually, August 7th, 2008 was his very first show of the Stable Scoop. And uh, so with that... Uh, Glenn, the geek. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, Dave. Good. Good to talk to you tonight.
0: Yeah. I let's let's go back to that. uh, August 2008. What what inspired you to start a podcast?
1: My brother, actually, Dave, I have to give him credit for it. I was working as a consultant at that point for companies in marketing, and he hired me to come in for a two-year contract in the cable industry. And what he hired me for was to come in and help him sell his company. We had to get the company in shape so that he could sell, so he could retire. And he said to me, you know, you need a creative outlet. This is boring work. You need a creative outlet. You need something to do. There's this guy named Leo. And Leo Laporte, he's doing this thing called a podcast, which I had no idea what that was. He's doing this thing called a podcast. You need to check it out and you need to go do one on, uh, you know, whatever. I don't care what you do one on. Just go do a podcast. So I checked out Leo, started listening to Leo, started doing some research into what little, as you know, was known back then about podcasting. And then I, I called my friend Helena up and said, we need to do a podcast about horses. There's no really nobody doing that out there. And uh, I don't want to just do one. Let's make a network and eventually maybe this thing will take off and we can kind of own the space in the horse world. And that's how it started. My friend Helene and I just talked to ourselves. After three months, we started with the Stable Scoop radio show, which is kind of a general show about horses because we really didn't know what else to do. And uh, we started after three months, we had 12 listeners. And then we decided, well, we have 12 people listening to us. That's better than nobody listening to us. So we kept going and then it started to take off. Uh, And then now, what are we? uh, This is our anniversary tomorrow. So we'll be going into our eighth year and we have eight different shows on the network uh, and a ton more listeners.
0: Now, eight different shows. How many are those all hosted by you or?
1: No, actually, um, some of these topics I could never talk about. I actually am a horse husband. I, I married into this. So when we started the network, it's interesting. I always tell people, you have to be authentic. You heard that how many times the podcast movement, right? You have to be authentic. You can't You can't snow people in a niche because they'll know. They're in that niche. They know that niche. And my listeners would know that I don't know a thing about training a horse. So we played it from the very beginning that I'm America's horse husband. I am a horse husband. That's all I am. I drive horses. I've I've been around horses for 30 years because of my wife. I know more than I let on in the shows.
0: And I'm going to stop that there. I'm going to stop this a lot today because I want to point out here, if you're thinking of starting a podcast, you're like, oh, I'm not an expert. Well, Glenn just proved you don't have to be an expert. You know, for him, it might even be, I call these a journey podcast where you start a podcast and you learn the topic along with the audience. But just a cool point for Glenn hey, you know, I'm not an expert, but you'll see where he got a bunch of experts around him.
1: But I'm the guy asking the questions that people who don't know a lot would ask. And that's the way we, we, uh, we've really done it from the beginning. For, uh, and so I am that guy that uh, is just there representing the average horse person out there because that's what I am. I'm an average horse person out cleaning stalls, taking care of the horses. I just happen to be a driver. I've never competed. So we knew that the first show we did had to be a very general show about horses rather than competition. Uh, so when we got into the competition shows later on, we hired people to do the hosting that really were competitors and knew that space. And we're, we're in that space and we're respected in that space. So that's, that, when we went to those different verticals within the horse world, we hired people that were really good at those verticals.
0: So you weren't the first podcast about horses?
1: There were a couple of others, but, you know, when I checked, it was, I think when we started, we might have been one of the first. Uh, since then, there have been a couple others pop up that are not on our network that have come and gone the usual, you know, three right. months and gone. And, because people actually find out this is a little bit of work along the way. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> yeah, just a little. And, you know, there have been others come and go. There are a couple others out there. We, I was always hoping for competition because, we went into the horse world, horse were, and I'm not. if any of our listeners are listening to this, they know this. Horse people are not, as a rule, technologically savvy. We had one of the first websites, my wife and I, when we had our tack business back in the 1990s when we were selling horse supplies. We were one of the first ones online, second one online actually, selling tack supplies in the 90s when there were no shopping carts. They had to send us checks. And p- horse people couldn't f- quite figure it out. And they always have been a couple years behind technology wise.
0: Now I'm going to stop here. Notice Glenn knows his audience. The key here, Glenn knows his audience.
1: So Helene and I knew when we started the Horse Radio Network, they had to listen on their computer. They weren't going to get iTunes and download it and, and transfer it onto their iPod at that point. That wasn't happening, and very few people did. They all listened at work on their computer. And then that slowly started to change, and thankfully with smartphones, horse people caught up, and now they, I would say they're equal with everybody else as far as technology is concerned, and that's been a huge plus for us.
0: Now, as you came out with that first show, and you, you said you wanted to start a network. Was that something where you you sat down and said, Okay, here's the you know, the eight shows we're gonna have or was it let's start off with one and then you just Oh no. I wish it was that organized. I'm not out organized about anything in my
1: life. Uh, no, I knew I wanted a network. I knew that I wanted more than one show and I figured if it was more than one show it should be like Twitch which is what I was modeling it after, right? So I just created Horse Radio Network, and for a year, we only had one show. It was the Stable Scoop Radio Show, part of the Horse Radio Network. And by the way, if you're going to start a network, and my first piece of advice, and I gave this many times over the weekend, if you're thinking that you're going to do more than one show and it's going to be part of your own network, you start that network you, you buy that name, you start that website, you brand that first show as part of the network. Even if it's the, if it's the only one on the network, you immediately want to brand it from the beginning. So that when you do your second show, it's very easy to say, part of the Horse Radio Network. And, and you're transferring your listeners over from your first show, some of them are gonna come with you and listen to both. And they already have it in their mind that it's part of a network.
0: That's a great idea because, you know, they're going to find that first show and go back and download every episode. So when they listen to episode two and you say it's part of the network, even though there isn't a network on show two, that person that finds it four years later is going to go out there and find show number two and three and four, however many have. Uh, exactly. That's um, exactly right. Yeah. Great strategy. Well, there's probably somebody going, how does this guy do so many uh, shows and, and have a day gig? So let's reveal the curtain here. (laughs) I don't have a day
1: gig. Uh, This is my day gig for my wife and I are full-time professional podcasters. We, uh, about three years in, uh, we had four or five shows going at that point, And I knew that, and my brother sold his company and retired. So my contract with him as a consultant was over. And I said, well, I'm going to do this full time because really working 100,000 hours a week was, was getting old. <laughs> I was doing for that full time and then working this, uh, you know, more than full time, tried to run five shows, sell the ads, do the ads. I did everything. I built the websites myself. I did everything. I got no help. Shortly after that, we lived in Lexington, Kentucky, my wife was, it was about recession time and her business was laying off a bunch of people and we saw the handwriting on the wall and I said, hey, look, why don't you come work for me because I need help. I either have to hire somebody, you come work for me and dragging and screaming, I brought her in and we've been working together ever since full time at the Horse Radio Network.
0: Do you know how long it took you to, you know, actually start monetizing the show or was it from day one? It was three months in when we
1: had those 12 listeners. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I might have. Sorry, Karen. She's probably going to listen to this. I think I might have told her we had 500 or 1,000 at that point. By the way, uh, she is still with us to this day as one of our top sponsors seven years later.
0: So think about that. Here's a guy, maybe slightly exaggerated his numbers to his first sponsor. She's still with him seven years later because of a relationship, because her product fits the audience. And you notice here that he wasn't selling downloads. He was probably more selling the fact that he had her target audience.
1: And she bought the dream. She knew we didn't have many listeners. I was honest with her and said, look, we're just starting out here. This is a podcasting thing. It's new. Who knows if it's going to take off? It's like online radio. That's the reason we called it Horse Radio Network, because horse people certainly didn't know what podcasts were. Tech people didn't even know what podcasts were, but horse people certainly didn't know. So I kept saying that we were an online radio show. And actually, that's what I still say to our sponsors because a lot of people still don't know what podcasts are. So we say we're online radio. Uh, and then in all my literature, I put online radio and in parentheses, put a podcast, podcasts. So we, we still are saying that to this day. And I know you know that you feel this. We're just turning the corner now where podcasting is becoming mainstream thanks to NPR and a couple other big ones. And thankfully for that. Maybe I won't have to say online radio too much longer, but that's why we did it in the very beginning. We we went to that we went to her and said, "Look, we got this dream, we got this thing we're building and I think it's going to be big. Get in while it's cheap." And she said, "Sure, why not? I believe in you." And we many people were surprised over the weekend about how we sell our shows and we do it to this day. We don't use click rates and CPMs and all. I didn't ever even know what they were to be honest with you. We charge a flat rate Per episode, period. That's how we do our shows. Flat rate per episode. We've done it since the beginning. We sell the branding of being a a part of our shows. And that's how we've sold the ads from the very beginning.
0: Because CPM, cutting in here again, doesn't really work for most podcasters unless you've got 5,000 or 10,000 people. And another great stat from that Podcast Junkies interview with Rob Walsh. That, uh, you know, if you get, um, let's see here, 5,000 downloads, you're in the top 8%. So that means for 92% of us, uh, that CPM, the cost per 1,000 downloads, is not going to work. It didn't stop Glenn. He wasn't selling CPM. Brilliant. Well, and I love the way you had a strategy of finding sponsors where you talked about going to a magazine. Share that story.
1: You know That's one of the things I think that we've done very poorly as a podcasting community is going to everybody in your space and getting them involved in your shows. Now, I have more than one show, so that's a little bit easier. I have more space to put people. But immediately when we first started, I created, and I looked this up because I couldn't even remember the name of the company we've been using for so long. It's called Big Contact. I don't know if you've ever heard of Big Contact, but Big Contact makes an audio player that you can put any news feed into. And this has been around since we started.
0: Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to interrupt here. I actually went because I remember Big Contact. I believe I still have a Big Contact email somewhere. I went to this no longer. They're no longer accepting submissions, but there are alternatives. Number one, Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-Y. It's a free directory. You don't have to use them for hosting. You can use them for their stats for free. And one of their services is you have a player. You can go over and get a player. Now, here's the fun thing. It gives you a little button with a blueberry uh, button on it. You can insert your own. You have to know a little HTML to tweak that, but it's not that hard. Or you can go to player.podtrack.com, and that will also uh, allow you to get a player that you can give the code to anybody with a website and they can just copy and paste it and put you on their website. And if you want to make your own kind of player, uh, check out wimpyplayer.com. You can make your own. He said hitting his own microphone. You can uh, basically make your own skin and your own look. Complete customizing how it looks. That's at wimpyplayer.com. It's 39 95 And with that, let's go back to Glenn. So what we
1: did, I, I wanted our player on every blog, every magazine, every space that had horses on it on the internet. So we created these players. And what happens is I created a pop-up window. And what it is, it's for the for the person putting it on their blog or their website, what they're doing basically is putting our logo that says, listen here on it. And people click on that logo. It creates a pop-up window with the player on it that has the last 20 episodes of whatever show that they're advertising, basically. So we have those players now on 70 websites in the horse world. That's how we built the audience, was getting magazines involved, and the way we got them involved was contributing to our shows. We went out to the top bloggers, we went out to the magazines and said, look, why don't you come on our shows once a week, once a month, whatever it was, and contribute to the shows. Talk about what's, what the top article is, has been on your blog, and then we have a discussion about it. The only thing they had to do for us was put the player on their website. Now they have to do a Facebook post because that wasn't around back then. That's how we built the listenership, was with the help of all of these people in the horse world that were much, much bigger than us.
0: So they put the player on their website and then in return for you, what did you have to do for them? They come on our show and, and uh, help ah. with content.
1: Wow. That's yeah. a win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody because you know they have great content. They just spent all this time hiring writers and editors and everything to put great content together. And the progressive ones knew that, that things were changing and that they needed to get their content out everywhere. And these are even some of the top magazines that we deal with. So they got on board back then, and they're still with us today. I'll give you an example. Horse Nation, which is one of the top blogs in the horse world now, we gave them some advice when they first got started way, way back, and they come on once a week on our morning show, our live show that we do five days a week. They come on every Monday at 10, and we talk about the top three articles that they have. And it's funny, it's entertaining. They promote us, we promote them, and it is a win-win for everybody.
0: Let's go back to... You've been doing this for, for three months. You, you've got a dozen listeners. How do you get that first sponsor? What was the, the pitch to that person? I have always sold, and this is, I've
1: been in sales a long time. And, w- you know, we always said, sell the dream, okay? You're selling the sizzle. I had no numbers. You know, we didn't have any numbers. And, and Karen, our, that first sponsor, will tell you that. I went and told her, look, this is going to be big someday, we're gonna own this space someday. We have one show now. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a dozen, twenty shows eventually. Podcasting's gonna become big because things are moving to on demand, and they even were back then. And we didn't charge her much, you know. It was a lot less then than it is now. But we said, and we'll do we'll do commercials for you, and we'll talk about your products, and we'll use your products. That's another thing. We use all the products that we we have on the network. I turn people down if I don't believe in their product. And we've done host red commercials. We called it back.
0: Wait a minute.
1: stop Stop that.
0: Hold on a second. Did you hear that? He turned down money from people. People wanted to give him money, but he didn't like their product. Because when you start a podcast, there's two things that every podcaster has when you start. When you press record on episode number one, you have zero downloads. You have no audience and you have integrity. The fun part is getting to that 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 downloads and keeping your integrity. And when you do, it actually pays more in the long run. And that's the cool thing here is Glenn knows about the long run. And he knows that once you deny the trust of your audience, you have to spend 10 times as much to get it back. And you may never, ever get it back. What awesome insight there
1: we have on the network, I turn people down if I don't believe in their product. And we've done host red commercials. We called it back then the Paul Harvey commercials, and older <laughs> people understand that. Um, Age two? <laughs> yeah, younger people won't understand the right. Paul Harvey type commercial, but it was a host red commercial. And Paul was saying, I use this, you should. And that's basically what we said. And as we got further down the road and developed more credibility, that meant more to the listener. But And now it means a lot because they know we don't recommend crap. If it doesn't work, it's not on our network. And that means a lot to our listeners now is if we use it, they'll try it. And she said, okay, I want to be part of that. And then we had the second company. Once you get the first company, by the way, it's easier to get the second. Nobody wants to be first in the advertising world. But if you find somebody that believes in your dream even if it's a friend or relative that's in your space, if you find somebody who believes in your dream and they see an advertiser up there and it's a well-known company, it's much easier to get the second one and then the third one and then the fourth one. And now we have 20. I just asked my wife yesterday because I thought you might ask. uh, We sent out 27 invoices yesterday for next month.
0: And in in your little 10-minute speech there, you had some great insights on how to find them and who to go after. Because some people are like, I want to go bag the you know, the big sponsor, and you're like, no, 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 that's not the people you want to go. So share kind of how you find sponsors and then uh, kind of your, your idea, your, your ideal sponsor. In uh, my opinion, when you're starting out, you can't
1: go after the Fords. You can't go after even the Harry shaving. You know, some of the commercials you hear on Twit and some of the bigger networks, they're not going to look at you. Your, your download numbers aren't big enough. They don't want to bother. And we don't do CPM. So I had to go after the companies that were really mid level and, and smaller mom and pop companies, one or two people. So we went after that mid level company and that smaller company. We have some big companies in the horse space, Bayer. Bayer makes a lot of health products for horses. Pfizer makes a lot of health products for horses. They're, they still to this day won't look at me because they don't want to be bothered. We're still too small for what they're looking at. You know, we, we never went after those really large companies. And the other thing is I want a company that I'm going to have a relationship with, that I'm going to c- become friends with, and I want them involved in their advertising. I don't want them, you know, that we can't communicate with them and they're just counting us running the same ads all the time, we want them really involved. We want them coming on the show and answering listener questions when we get questions that applies to their space. We use our advertisers as a way of answering listener questions that we get all the time. So we want them directly involved in our advertising. And I tell them that to this day. If you're looking at advertising with us, you have to be an active sponsor. So that eliminates some of the bigger companies. They don't want to be involved in being an active sponsor. So that's why we always go after the middle and we go after the lower. I talked to a guy who has a pretty big gaming podcast over the weekend. And I wish I could remember his name, but I don't. And he was having trouble with sponsors because he was going after the big names in the gaming world. I said, no, what you want to go after are the guys making the peripherals. They're making the joysticks. They're making the cords. They're making you know the seats. They're making the cushions, whatever it is that gamers use. that's the guy you want to go after because he is looking for an affordable alternative to $10,000 color page in a magazine. So he is looking for that alternative and he's willing to take a chance on you. And that's the mid-level and lower level. And I'm talking the smallest companies we have relationship with, some of them with one person. And they're advertising with us to some level because we are affordable, number one. And we get results for them, number two.
0: Yeah, that was the thing that really knocked me out of my chair. You had explained how you had opened up a magazine and you said, don't go for the half page guys. Go for the guy that's like the smallest ad in the magazine that's about your industry. And then, you know, I think you even said you, you called the magazine to find out like how much would it cost to, uh, to advertise there. Then you got, you went to that person and said, so, uh, how's this advertising doing in the magazine? How's that working for you? And then you just, you just offered them an alternative. You know, a lot of people right now are complaining
1: about magazine ads. And, you know, we work with a lot of magazine companies. And I still think magazines, especially in our space, are huge. People still get paper magazines. Horse people like to look at pretty pictures. Right. They like to turn the pages. I do too. I get the driving magazines. I'm a carriage driver. Here again, Glenn knows his audience. And I look at it as soon as it comes in, I'm there flipping the pages, looking at the pictures like everybody else first, and then reading the articles second. And, Yeah, if there's magazines in your space, you should be looking at all those ads, and those are the people
0: you're contacting. Why? Because these are people that are already spending money on advertising. They have an advertising budget. Now, they may have blown it. They may have blown it already for the year, but you find out when does your budget kick back in? When's a good time to check back with you? Oh, by the way, I have your audience, and I'm cheaper. Isn't that awesome? Man, when I heard that, I was like, man, Glenn is just spilling the gold here. Love it. Back to Glenn.
1: And one of the things, and, and I can't say this enough. We're going there next week. It's a reason that you and I had to talk this week.
0: And Glenn, again, I know I'm interrupting a lot today. I deeply appreciate that. I really do. He, he, like, he moved up. It was What an awesome guy.
1: And, and I said, I want to do an uh, interview with you first, because I got about 50 people asking me over the weekend. And I said, I want to do this first with you. Is next week we're leaving for a trade show that we do twice a year?
0: Oh, get your pencils out. Wait till you hear this. This is awesome.
1: Biggest piece of advice I can give at anybody looking to get sponsors on their show. We knew that there was this trade show. We had gone to this trade show as a buyer when we owned our tack business. It's it's called ADA. It's the American Equestrian Trade Association. It happens twice a year in Philadelphia. It's where the wholesalers and the manufacturers meet the retailers. Not open to the public. This is a closed show. And I kind of knew them. They kind of knew me because we had gone years before. But I basically called them up and said, look, we want to be the official radio network. This is early on. Now, seven years ago, we had like two shows. I want to be the official radio network of the American Equestrian Trade Association. You pay our booth, we'll pay our way, but we will do a radio show from your, from your show. And we'll get some of the manufacturers over to highlight their new products. It's a win for you because you're, they're paying to have a booth and you're giving them extra you know clout, extra bonus. You're giving them free advertising on the Horse Radio Network. And they said, okay, that sounds like a plan. All we have to do is give you a booth, right? And they used to give us the booth that was whatever was left. <laughs> so we would, we would move around. But it was always pretty good booths, actually. They've been very good to us. i got to give uh, them props. Uh, Ada has been very good to us over the years. And now we have a prime spot because we do our live show from there on Monday morning when we're there. It, c- it continues through Monday. We do our live show, and we have 15 of their manufacturers over to do little three- or four-minute segments on the newest products coming out in the market, on the ones that our listeners haven't seen yet, haven't heard about yet, and it's great. Now the manufacturers want to talk to us. They're leaving notes on our, on our, in our booth saying, we want to be on your show. We want to be on your show. We got this new hot product. So it's changed from us walking around explaining what the heck a podcast is six years ago to everybody in the place to now them wanting to come over and be on our show. If you have a trade show like that in your area, all you have to do is call and talk to them. It's probably going to be easier than you think to get in because nobody's thought of doing that and say, you want to be the radio network for that. So now we're the radio network for this show for the last six years. Seventy percent of our advertisers
0: have come from that show. That's what I was going to say, because now you've it's all about relationships. So now you're talking to the guy you're talking to a future sponsor because they're obviously they're spending money to be at the show. So you've already got- Big money. Yeah, big money. And now you can just let a little trickle of that come down to your show. And set, you said 70%. That's amazing. 70%. We do have a 70% retention rate, too, on our sponsors
1: from day one. Wow. That, we have, set, we have uh, many, many that have been with us for five years or longer.
0: Now notice something here. Glenn has real numbers with real people. If Glenn was Twitter bombing- To get his numbers up. Now, if you're new to the whole Twitter bombing discussion, this is where people send out hundreds of tweets per hour to promote their show with direct links to the MP3 file, hoping that someone, anyone, a bot, something will click that so they can count it as a play. But in the end, that doesn't work because your sponsor doesn't get any return because they're expecting 5,000 people to download their show when really you've got about 130 uh, Glenn's audience is a real audience made up of real people. And consequently, those sponsors are coming back. I know you, you said there was one product that it sounds great for the horse industry, the, the pitchfork. And That's kind of a funny story. Yeah, tell yeah. that story.
1: Well, we do this segment called Really Bad Ads on Friday's live show. We do a live show called Horses in the Morning, and it's five days a week, an hour and a half each day. We had a couple listeners send us really bad Craigslist ads about horses for sale And we'd kind of read them as they came in. And then we started getting so many that we made a segment out of it. Last half hour on Friday's live show, we started doing what we called really bad ads. And now we get hundreds of submissions every week. So we read these bad ads on Fridays and it's our most popular segment. We get double the listenership on Fridays just to listen to really bad ads. And we gave away prizes. And the sponsor for that segment is a manure fork company called Equity. They sell Really, very expensive manure forks. An average manure fork will cost you $25. Theirs start at 75 and go to 250
0: So basically a $250 pitchfork.
1: Yeah, right. And you got to remember that we estimate about 50% of our audience are cleaning stalls while they're listening to our shows. There you go. So they're cleaning stalls, listening to us, and we all use these manure forks. Every host on the network uses these manure forks. And the one of them, the $250 one, has a motor in it that actually has a trigger and batteries that when you press it, it shakes the head for you. So it makes it easier to clean your stalls and you save bedding. But it's $250. It's 10 times the normal manure fork rate. He has been with us for years and pays in advance. Pays a year in advance because he wants to be on really bad ads, and it's a perfect match for really bad ads to have the manure fork. This year,
0: he. So I'm going to stop you there, Glenn, for a second. I've said when you find the right product for your audience, it'll be gangbusters, even if it's basically a pitchfork to shovel poo. Uh, Glenn's audience has a lot of poo to shovel, and where the guy couldn't sell a whole lot before. And now he's selling him gangbusters. This year he stepped it up and he's
1: given away one of those manure forks to we we do a drawing. Everybody that submits an ad that month. He gives away one of those manure forks once a month. As a matter of fact, we'll do that tomorrow on the show. And then at the end of the year, he's given away a, one of the most expensive ones he has to every you know, we're gonna pick out of every all the hundreds and thousands that have submitted. So those are the kind of creative things we try and do with our advertising. We really and to get the advertisers involved. Get them intimately
0: involved in your show. Well, I know you said that you have questions from your audience that you have the sponsors answer. Is that how you do that?
1: Yeah, we have a company, We have a guy who uh, does. Girths, and that's the thing that goes around the belly of the horse that holds the saddle on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a very special girth, and it is a little different than other girths. Works really well. It, that company's total saddle fit, and he's also a saddle fitter. So what we do is when we get saddle questions, now he comes on and he does. The, he answers the saddle questions for us. So he be, has becomes kind of our saddle. You know, saddle fit expert. Uh, And he's also happens to be one of our sponsors. So, you know, those kind of relationships are the kind of relationships we build, whether it's health or tack related. We always have somebody we can go to because we have 27 sponsors. We have somebody we can go to to answer those questions. And you want them involved in your show. I can't stress that enough. You want them involved in your show.
0: Well, because in the same way that your audience, you know, knows, likes, and trusts you. Now they're getting to know, like, and trust the the sponsor. And it's not just a bunch of bullet points. They're actually having a conversation. I, I would think that's just a great, to me, I look at that and go, man, that's just genius.
1: Well, I had an email last week from a listener and I sent it out to all the sponsors who basically said that, who said, I'm listening to your shows, and I love when you have the sponsors on because it puts a voice to the name. And and this listener happened to say, you know, Facebook is great, and you kind of get a personality, but until you hear their voice and you understand who's running the company and you get to know them as well as we know you as hosts... You really don't get the flavor of the company. And, I, you know, there are a lot more companies figuring that out and actually getting people out there and getting the voices out there. And, and that's what, you know, we've, we've done all
0: along. We've tried to do that all along. Now, you'd mentioned that you, you give away the manure forks. And uh, is that, by the way, is that guy selling those now that he's on your show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't have stayed with
1: us for, I think he's on his third or fourth year oh, unless nice. he was. Oh, and by the way, he listens to all of our shows.
0: Excellent. And are giveaways something you do a lot of? Yeah, we've done
1: a lot of that. We've done a lot on The Morning Show. Our Morning Show breaks every rule you heard over the weekend about how to do podcasts. I wanted it to be a cross between traditional radio, drive morning radio, fun, funny, entertaining, uh, but about horses and kind of podcasting. I wanted it to be a cross between the two because I figured our listenership knew what morning drive radio was. They were just figuring out what podcasts were. Now we were throwing an hour and a half daily show at them. So I wanted to really, for them to really get it. So we really do it as a morning drive radio show. Uh, You know, with a little, you know, commercials are varied. We don't stick to that, you know, exact time we have to put a commercial in or talk about a commercial. We have an outline. We know what we want to do. And the shows have kind of developed to have a format. But it's really Morning Drive Radio. So we knew we had to have contests because that's what Morning Drive Radio did, right? So we got our sponsors again to a lot of our great sponsors to put up prizes. And we did a thing called the Wheel of Trivia on Wednesday mornings. We've done a lot of different contests. We did the Wheel of Trivia was very popular. We had a wheel. I actually bought a wheel. And we had trivia questions that they would answer. And I'd spin the wheel and see what prize they won. So we had a two, we had two listeners playing against each other. Uh, we've done all kinds of different contests over the time and people have won a ton of great prizes through that. And, it, and their sponsors have gotten advertising for giving away prizes. So it was a win, win, win for everybody and it was fun for us.
0: I love the fact you're like, hey, I just did this and I'm, I'm making it up as I go along. So as you've been doing this, have you been like checking your iTunes rankings and your downloads? Oh, I don't <laughs>
1: care. I don't care about any of that. You know, until I went to Florida Podcasting Association about, to their meetup, you know, their weekend meetup they have, by the way, this is the best association in the world. Hey, to Chris, Katie, and Neil, my buddies down there. Till I went to their weekend PodFest, I didn't know there was a new and noteworthy on iTunes because I'd never been to the homepage of iTunes.
0: I'm just going to let that sit there a second. (laughs) I'd never been to iTunes. We all obsess. Rate, review, subscribe. Nah, not Glenn. That's all right. I'll just kick back and count one of the 27 checks that just came into my inbox. I
1: didn't know I was supposed to ask for ratings on <laughs> iTunes because none of my people would probably know where to find them. <laughs> so I didn't know about all that stuff. All I knew was in my niche, I had to build my listenership through the people, through other horse people, through bloggers, through magazines, through word of mouth. But I had to build it through them. You know, nobody no, – you know, I'm in the sports category of iTunes. I'm not going to be winning any awards anytime
0: soon. So what have I always said? How do you grow your audience? This is why I love this. How do you grow your audience? You make content that impacts people, that inspires them, um, educates them, entertains them. In this case, you then go to where they are, which is what Glenn did. He reached out to all the different locations, in this case, magazines. He's got a list on um, Horse Radio Network that shows at the bottom of the page his affiliates. It goes on and on and on. He's all over the place was showing the different places that uh, people are on there. So go where your your uh, people are. Three, make friends with them. So he did. Then tell them about your podcast. And that helped grow his audience. See, and he wasn't trying to game the system. He wasn't Twitter bombing. He wasn't asking um, strangers, would you review my podcast? No, he just went to where the people were and made friends with them, made content that impacts them and then told him about his podcast and said wow this is good makes me laugh i think i'll buy me a manure fork say it again glenn It's, it's worth hearing twice so i didn't know about all
1: that stuff all i knew was in my niche i had to build my listenership through the people through other horse people through bloggers through magazines through word of mouth but i had to build it through them yes let's let's take it Hit
0: it, ladies. All <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Preach on, Brother Glenn. <laughs> All right, continue. Back to the actual interview.
1: You know, nobody, no, You know, I'm in the sports category of iTunes. I'm not going to be winning any awards anytime soon. So, you know, I am in a very crowded, very busy category, and I talk about horses. So, we, you know, we, we're never going to be ranking high on the iTunes scale, right? So, I didn't, I never have worried about that. I, I, to this day, we have very few people who have posted anything. The first feedback I did get when I finally figured out how to look was a guy who said, The guy sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> that was the first one I got. And you know what? I love that because when you did the, because we love Muppets. That's right. All of our horses are named after the Muppets. <laughs> Excellent. My horse's name is Scooter, and my wife's horse's name is Beaker. So there you go. <laughs> so I was like, if I sound like Kermit, Kermit makes a lot of money. That's right. Uh, I'm going to be right in there sounding like Kermit. It ain't easy being green. Yeah, green all the way to the bank. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So we don't worry about that stuff. You shouldn't worry about that. I heard all that this weekend. If you're in the tech space, worry about it. But if you're in a niche... If you're in a niche like ours, which, which is where the money is, by the way, in podcasting. If Did you hear that? The money's in the list. Yeah, the money's in the niche too. If you're in a niche like ours, then you don't worry about that. Worry about being the
0: best in your space and getting the word out through people in your space. Well, that's the other thing. I, I had said this when you were doing your talk, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I tend to think horses are somewhat expensive, and I would think people that own them have money to spend on two hundred fifty dollar pitchforks um is that somewhat accurate or
1: that's a misconception that there are rich people with horses yes just like there are rich people with anything boats or you know whatever but you know most of us are just people who spend all of our money on horses and because we are addicted to it that's one advantage i have with my listener base Mm. because they're addicted to it
0: there you go again what's glenn doing that's right he knows his audience. I mean, if you're into horses, you're into
1: horses. That's what you do it's where you spend your money it's where you buy your food it's where you spend all your money really so you're into horses you're addicted to it so i do have had that advantage going in that they they're trying to consume anything they can about horses but that also made it a little bit easier for the word of mouth and everything we do and that's why i say stay in niches because your niches are where you find your true addicted people if you're going out there and doing a general podcast it's it's going to be much harder to find your audience uh, and you know i'm only just judging that by what I've seen in the last year, having been involved with podcasters
0: again. Yeah. And you had said that one of the ways that you brought in listeners was by contacting, you know, these magazines and different websites to put your player. Any other in terms of uh, networking with like finding new listeners or, or dealing yes. with your, your audience directly? We've had uh, we've done over 4,200 episodes now. Wow.
1: And it, it, we're I think it's approaching 4,300. We've had 6,150 guests on Mm. over the, you know, we we do one or two guests every show that we do, and we put out a ton a week. So we've talked to over 6,000 people. Every one of those people we send a link to when the show's up, and we encourage them to post about it. But I would say go a step further. With people that you're a little concerned may not
0: post. Are you ready? Got Got your pencils out? This is some good stuff that I was like, man... It's not rocket science, but here again, Glenn is just nailing out of the park. Let's go back just a little bit, and because I know, here's the interesting thing. I get interviewed on a fairly regular basis, and I never hear from the host that the episode is live, which either may, means, A, I was a horrible appearance and they never posted it, or B, they're just moving on to the next episode. They're not letting me know to promote it. Listen what Glenn does. But I would say go
1: a step further with people that you're a little concerned may not post. Uh, maybe they're really busy, like a lot of our writers are, and they want to help you, but they're busy. Right. And as soon as they see your email, they may they may forget about it by the time they get to Facebook. So what what I highly recommend is that you write The paragraph for them. I was on such and such a show, had a great time talking about this. Here's the link. Go take a listen. So all they have to do is copy and paste that paragraph, put the link in the paragraph too, by the way, copy and paste the paragraph, post it on Facebook, and they're done. You've got to make it that simple. I I recommended this a while back on on the Florida podcasters, and and a couple of them came back to me and said, wow, since I started doing that, I wasn't getting hardly any of my guests promoting my show. Now almost all of them are because it's simple for them. All they have to do is copy and paste it. And I'm this way. If I have to think about what to write, by the time I've thought about what to write, I'm on to five other things. That's it. You know, yeah. but the phone the phone rang, and uh, you know, you called, and I'm doing an interview, and now I've, I'm never going to get back to it. Uh, but if they make it easy, and it takes me literally two seconds, that's what you want to do with
0: every guest you have on your show. Well, I'm sure somebody's going to ask this question uh, because you decided to go live. Um, what what are you, how are you doing that live? What what platform? Uh, well, we were on Blog
1: Talk Radio for a long time, which was about the only way we could figure out how to go live five years ago. Right. Because, you know, with live, there's a lot to think about. There's music, because remember, we're doing it like a radio show. So we're playing playing actual music from independent artists in the horse world. We got them involved in the show. You know, we needed to take calls. We needed to to have guests that were on the phone while riding their horse. Uh, You know, top riders, a lot of them are riding their horses while they're talking to us. So we needed to have a way to do all this. And back five years ago, there wasn't a lot. Uh, ways to do that. So we went with Blog Talk. We were with them for five years. I was never, and I had a conversation with them this weekend. We were never, nobody was ever happy with their sound. It was right. AM radio.
0: Now, for the record, uh, if you go with Blog Talk Radio today, you now get 128 kilobits per second, better known as CD quality stereo. And you also can connect directly to their system. You don't even have to go through Skype. So you get super crystal clear sound for you and your co-host. And I need to clarify something. They've changed a lot here. And I'm going to probably next week, I'll talk a little more about Blog Talk Radio. But just so you know, if you ever wanted to leave per Pod Vader, they will redirect your feed. So that's kind of cool. And I'm, I was going to talk about that this week. I'll talk more about that next week. But uh, Blog Talk Radio is out of their beta and uh, it's an interesting solution, especially if you're going to do live call-in. But we'll save that for next week. It's a little tease.
1: So we knew that eventually we had to improve the sound. And we did that a couple months ago. We, we left Blog Talk after five years of being with them. And we always just used them for the live portion. And then we always brought the sound file over and put it on our website. And 99.9% of our people listen to the recorded version anyway. We only have several dozen that listen live. And, you know, the rest of the tens of thousands listen, listen, recorded. But we wanted to have the live feel to it, which is why we've always spent the money to do it live.
0: Now, key point, what he just said, if you're thinking about doing live, he said a couple dozen. You will get a very, very small audience live. But he likes it because he wants that live feel. I just I don't want you to gloss over that before you start thinking live lives, a lot of work. Glenn just said that you have to really plan ahead and in the end, you're not going to have much of a live audience.
1: Now I actually have it broken out. I have, I have three computers on my desk, four screens. And when we do the live show, I literally have two separate programs open on each screen. And my wife is in the other room. we have a producer for our live show he she gets the caller set up and and gets the uh just like regular radio right. gets the guests set up and she is on a separate in a separate room on her computer doing that we use now use call uh studio for our live calls yep uh we use mixler to send out the live feed we use skype because none of my co-hosts are in anywhere near me right. so we, we get the co-host on Skype we, we get the international callers or guests on Skype uh, I have two separate recorders going on two separate computers we do a backup recording every morning um, so and then you know we have our show notes page we use Google Docs for everything we do in the network we use Google Sites we build a site for every show and then we share that with the hosts and then we make a page on that site for every episode Hmm. So I can go in and do the reason we do that is in Google Sites they have an excellent search feature. So I can go in and search a a guest name and it'll bring up the episode they were on and I can go back to the show notes we used for that day. So that we use that for everything. We use spreadsheets for tracking all of our advertisers and what comes up on what shows. And, you know, for the morning show, we use Google site, we build a page, we have a rundown, we know at what times the guests are going to come on, what their phone numbers are, what we're going to talk about, links to their shows. And then we also have all of our commercials listed in there where we color code uh, if we're going to do announcements, who does what. So it's, it's very well organized, uh, especially for the live show. We do that for all our shows, but the live show, it has to be because we can't start and stop.
0: Yeah, it's not like, all right, let's do that again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, and again, we don't have very many live listeners, but we don't care. We want it to have that feel and that's what's made that show so popular.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And the the thing I love, as I'm just sitting here listening to you, obviously you have integrity, you're using the products that, uh, you know, you're turning down products so people want to give you money and you're like, "Nah, I'm not going to do that. And things I had like one that was
1: really mad at me a
0: couple weeks ago. <laughs> so
1: they were kind of mad. They They offered to pay more and I said no.
0: When you get a new sponsor. I have a couple more questions about that and I'll yeah. let you go, man. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. What, what's like the minimum like length that you'll take? Three us, months. Three months.
1: Yeah, you can't do anything for less than three months. I've been in sales a long time and marketing a long time. Three months is actually too short. It should be six months. Because if they're on a weekly show, that's that's only four, you know, 12 hits in a person's ear over a three-month period of time. This is a branding play. What we do is a branding play. Again, we don't do, you know, links. To, you know, we don't do CPM. We don't do go here and get a discount at slash, you know, whatever. Right, their, their uh, website.com slash horse is not. No, it's a branding play that's what this is. We are putting their product in people's ears. So when they go to the tack shop or the feed store next time and they're going, I need a supplement because my horse has hoof problems, they're going to go, what was that hoof product that they talked about? What was that company? And they're going to go look for it on the shelf. You can't do that in a short period of time. You don't put that brand in a person's mind in a short period of time. You, you, that takes time. And that's what we talk to our our that's what we talk to our advertisers about you need a longer period of time for for our listeners to really for that to become something that they can rattle off the top of their tongue without having to think about it so three months is what we ask for a minimum we encourage a year but we'll go three months and then we talk about extending it from the three-month period of time
0: how does your sponsor know that it's working if there 's no like slash they, source if your sponsors are
1: involved in the show, they like to be involved in the show, and we mm-hmm. tell them they 're probably not going to see anything for the first couple of months. What they do see and a lot of them will see something all right, and that 's great, but what they do see is a general increase in traffic because nobody 's going to our website nobody 's going to your website they 're listening on their phones they 're listening at work We have an app, we build our own app they 're listening to our shows on our own app, a lot of them listening that way now. They're not going to our websites. I can tell you, I've listened to a ton of different podcasts like everybody else. I've not been to any of their websites. So... I know that what, they're, what the sponsor's going to see and what they tell them is a general increase in traffic or Google searches because people are going, oh, what was that company again? It was, you know, what? And they go back and they Google search it. And then, so what they're going to see in their tr- statistics tracking for the website is a general increase in traffic. They're not going to see anything from our banner ads. And if they do, great, but uh, they, re- they really aren't right. uh, because nobody's going to our website. So- that's general increase in traffic and, of course, orders. And, of course, people saying, I heard about it on the network because they're proud to listen.
0: Isn't that brilliant, though, if you think about it? I'm always like, make sure you can prove that the traffic came from you. Glenn is like, nope, and here's the beauty of it. If if the company gets any kind of extra traffic, they're going to blame it on Glenn's podcast. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, and then I would think, do, do you have sponsors that, Maybe get more out of being on the show than they do. Like, does that feed their ego? I think so, and I think it feeds all of our egos. It Feeds my ego
1: that you even asked me to talk after all the great guests you've had. Um, you know, I agree. I think it feeds all of our. It feeds your guests' egos to be on your shows. Uh, you know, I think it. It. Feed, we do. We do, and we've done this from day one. We do listener spotlights. Where on a regular basis, we get our listeners on the show. We believe that every horse person has a story to tell. It's our job to get that story out of them. So we contact, if I see somebody on Facebook that did an interesting thing, we contact them and say, come on and do a listener highlight. We're not all about going after the big name guests. That's another mistake podcasters make. Your best, most interesting people will be are our listener interviews because they're doing great, fun things out there and they want to tell somebody about it and they have nobody to tell except go do a little post on Facebook. So they get to come on our show and we've had listeners reporting live from some of the biggest horse shows in the world. They're some of our best reports is listeners because they're so excited to be there and be able to tell somebody about it. So yeah, I think it feeds everybody's ego to be on a podcast
0: yeah if you if we had video going right now, you would see me like fist pumping in the air I'm like because I'm all about you know get your get your audience involved oh, I, and-
1: we love 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 talking to our listeners because again it's our job to get the story sometimes they're a little nervous when they come on the show, sure. but your guests are nervous too. I'm always shocked we have these top riders in the whole world that are out there and on you know on a horse doing these intricate tests in front of tens of thousands of people in the stands, and they get nervous to come on and talk to me and it's like are you kidding? So I, I never understood that because I'm like, I, I I don't know why you're nervous to talk to me when you're out there doing that. I could never do that. But yet they're excited and they're ner- they're nervous because they're flattered and excited to be on your show. That's
0: why they're nervous. So it, yeah, it all comes back to ego. And how long does it take you to put together like a show that you do? How much prep time do you think? I You
1: know, I had people arguing with me. <laughs> At the PodFest in Florida about this because I got asked that question on a panel, and we figure it's uh, six to seven hours of pre and post prep for every hour of programming we put out. Now people come up to me and said, "How long? How 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 the heck does it take you that long to edit a show?" If you're running this as a business, and if you're planning on making money at this someday, you have to run this as a business from day one. You have to think about it as a business. You can't think about it as a play toy. If you're doing it for fun, that's terrific. But if you ever plan on monetizing and becoming full-time with it, run it as a business. So as a business, I have to take a look at everything I do. Selling ads, talking to the advertisers, recording the commercials, uh, talking to the magazines and the blogs and getting those all set up every week, booking our guests, all of that goes into pre and post prep time, mm-hmm. website work, all of that. You have to add all that up. You have to figure out how much time each segment of that is taking. I average it by the number of, the actual hour of podcasting we do, the actual fun hour of talking, right? That's the part we all like to do. Yeah. And it's, if you look at that realistically, And not through tinted glasses because you want it to be, you know, you want it to be working, right? You you don't want it to be taking as much time as it does. So you look at that through tinted glasses because you're trying to justify to your wife why you're taking so much time doing this and not making any money at it. And we had that conversation over the weekend with a bunch of podcasters. You've got to look at it as a business. So it is literally six to seven hours for every hour programming.
0: See that just again that means obviously with that much prep. You're delivering value, which you have to, so that people listen. And when people listen, now you've got an audience. You've got an audience. Now you have something to feed a sponsor. And, you know, the wheels go round and round. And uh, lather, rinse, repeat, my friend. That is awesome. So, again, your website is horseradionetwork.com any final things that uh, that you'd like to add anything that drives you crazy about podcasting that you hear that you're just screaming at your radio going or screaming or whatever your pod your phone that you hear other podcasters doing that you're like ah you're missing the boat
1: yeah i got i have a couple things that i took away that i took away from the weekend okay don't be boring <laughs> we are all about entertainment first, education second. I was an actor for a lot of years. We did improvisational comedy. So when we started the the when we started the Horse Radio Network, I said this is going to be entertaining first, educational second. Uh, if people will learn if they're entertained. People will tune you out and they will not stick with you if you, you have the most entertaining in the show in the world but you're you're boring. And uh, that is my biggest complaint about podcasts. I, you know, if you're not exciting, if you're not entertaining, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to stick with you. But that just may be me. You know, there may be a market for people who, who like the serious podcasts who are never laughing. I want to laugh in the first five or 10 minutes. I want to have fun in the first five or 10 minutes. I want to be engaged in that first five or 10 minutes of a podcast. And that's what we try and do. We try and make them very funny. Again, all of our shows are really have that model of morning drive radio where we want you going away from our podcast, smiling, laughing. And, oh, by the way, I learned something. That's it. Edutainment, baby. That's what I yep. always strive for. And, you know, we always say entertainment. Education follows entertainment.
0: Mm-hmm. Education follows entertainment. Awesome. Well, man, I know you're. You're getting ready to head out, and uh, I do. Re- I really deeply appreciate you taking the time. Hey, I'm flattered that you asked. <laughs> it's like I said. I it was there on Friday, and I was kind of getting into the conference, and you stood up, and I was just like, "Man, that is everything I've ever talked about, wrapped up in a nice, neat package." I'm so it's so. Well, you cool. and I
1: could go on for about another twelve hours, oh, easy.
0: <laughs> you know, so it's cool that I can say, "Here's another guy making a living." And having a lot of fun doing it, sounds like, with this podcast. We all like to hear ourselves
1: talk. Yes. You know, that's why we do this, right? I mean, we all like talking, or we wouldn't be doing this job. And if you don't like talking, don't do this job. But we all like talking now. You know, I get to do it full time. And, you know, this is not the most my, By the way, I want to squash a rumor that <laughs> went okay. around. OK, right. because for some reason, the horse radio network went viral over the weekend. I was trying to go in under the radar. That didn't happen. No. Um, but it went viral and it was on. By I had people coming up to me on Sunday saying, hey, you're the horse guy. Uh, by the way, my regular listeners laughed at that because I'm so not really. The, I'm the horse husband. Right. <laughs> uh, so so they all said, I'm, you're the horse guy. I heard you're making millions doing this. Yeah,
0: that's interesting.
1: Yeah. that You know how that thing was in elementary school? You tell a secret. It keeps going. It keeps going. Well, that's what happened by the end of the weekend. I am not making millions doing this. I wish I was making as much as the top podcasters in this world. We are having fun. We are making a living. Have I made more in the past doing sales I did? By far. Am I having more fun now than I ever had then? By far. Have I made more friends in this world than I ever made with our listeners and, and our guests and everybody in the horse world? By far. So, yeah, I'm much happier now.
0: Well, there are I always tell people there are there's more ways to benefit from podcasting than money. You know, I mean, there's more ways to benefit life than than money. And, and if you're having fun, you know, then that's that's a beautiful thing. So very cool, my friend. Well, uh, Glenn, the geek, he's the founder, he's the host and the chief geek at Horse Radio Network. Erica's horse husband.
1: That's right. That's what I am. I'm America. That's all I am. I'm just a horse <laughs> husband out here
0: talking about horses. Where he is over there uniting the horse world through entertainment and education. Glenn, thank you so much for sharing your story. And, Thanks, Dave. Uh, keep me posted, man, as things keep rolling on over there. I'll, I'll definitely – I'm not a horse guy. Anything – like I, my, uh, my niece uh, was really into horses, and there was like a plow horse or something where she used to ride, and I literally, like – I could wear this horse's butt for a hat. It was so tall. And anything that can like take off a finger, being a guitar player, I get a little nervous around animals like that.
1: So, I have a little pony now, a <laughs> uh, smaller <laughs> pony who drives. Uh, I do carriage driving, but I've owned draft horses in the past, some that weighed over a ton. Wow. And yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're a lot of fun. I always love the draft horses.
0: Yeah. So I, uh, I am, I, I, I'm actually going to go over and listen, even though I, you know, I'm not your target audience.
1: but Horses I'm- in the morning. Horses or take a listen to Horses in the Morning. You'll have fun with that. It's, we have a lot of non-horsey people listen to that show just because it's entertaining and fun. There
0: you go. There's that old entertaining thing again. yep, So, all right. Well, thank you, my friend. See you, Dave. Amazing dude. Wow. My, if I had a pencil, it would be. I, I would have ran out of lead. Man, that's some good stuff. Here's the thing I loved about that was, A, finding a magazine about your niche, going after the smaller advertisers and saying, how's that working for you? Oh, by the way, I have your audience over here. Don't lead with your numbers. I've got your audience. Let's try that for three months and see how it works. Oh, by the way, I'm only going to let you advertise on my show if I like your stuff. Love it. Then promoting your show by reaching out to others in your network, dealing with people, getting the listeners into a show. Did you hear that? We had a whole episode on that. People love to hear their name in the show. And in this case, the sponsors love to hear themselves and the show. So, wow. Thank you so much again. Check out Glenn Horse Network.com. I'll have links to everything we talked about here at School of Podcasting.com slash 474. Super quick news. Uh, kudos to my buddy John Lee Dumas of EOFIRE.com, Entrepreneur on Fire. Recent article in Forbes magazine because you know John needs more publicity. Holy cow. That guy is, uh, yeah, I am going to say it, on fire. Uh, the show, uh, there's a show called You Talking You 2 to Me. Um, this is a show on Earwolf. Well, yeah, you guessed it. You 2 is going to go on that show. That's pretty cool. Not quite the president. Some might say even cooler than the president. But uh, to have Bono come on your show, that's got to be pretty cool. I mean, come on, man. It's Bono. You ever heard that joke? What's the difference between God and Bono? God doesn't walk around Dublin thinking he's Bono. <laughs> ah, anyway, hey, if you'd like to start a podcast, you heard. Here's the other thing I liked about Glenn. He didn't say it was easy. He didn't say it was simple. It's a lot of work. But he's having more fun than he's had in years. Come over to schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, lastener and that'll save you off your first month and every month after that at the School of Podcasting. I'm going to be launching more Caster Minds. This is small group coaching. And I hope to have more details on that next week uh, now that I've freed up my schedule. But if you're interested in that, go over to CasterMind.com and get on the mailing list. I will tell you more about that in the future. Also in the future, I mentioned this last year. This is one of the things I got put on the back burner with a new media expo that now is not on the back burner. uh, And that is, um, I interviewed a bunch of radio dudes and uh, plan on releasing that episode. I've got one more person to interview and I'll be coming with that in the future. Would love to know, what do you want to hear on the show? I've got uh, some more interviews lined up, but uh, always go over to com slash contact and you can uh, leave me a message there via voicemail, email, or SpeakPipe. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Again, thanks again to Glenn over at horseradionetwork.com. And uh, until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world one download at a time.